Happy Monday from all of us at the Heritage Foundation. This Thursday, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Now, many of us have traditions that will be interrupted by COVID-19, which makes Thanksgiving feel different this year. But there's another threat to Thanksgiving that some might say is even more important. Our colleague, Jarrett Stepman, has wondered if this is the last generation of Americans who will celebrate Thanksgiving at all. Today, Tim and I are going to read to you his important commentary on how America's future may depend on Thanksgiving. It may seem laughable to ask if this is the last generation of Americans who will celebrate Thanksgiving. But when the city of Berkeley, California, replaced Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day in 1992, few would have expected to see Columbus Day thrown into a state of collapse just decades later, even being abolished in Washington, D.C. The logic behind the attacks on Columbus Day are similar to the criticism of Thanksgiving. To celebrate this holiday, or the pilgrims associated with it, is a celebration of genocide. It should be replaced by a national day of mourning. Back in 2005, Robert Jensen wrote, quote, One indication of moral progress in the United States would be the replacement of Thanksgiving Day and its self-indulgent family feasting with a National Day of Atonement accompanied by a self-reflective collective fasting. To this day, his remarks are still repeated, even in publications outside the United States like the UK Independent. But Thanksgiving is a much bigger target than Columbus Day because it's more deeply ingrained in our culture and because the spirit of the holiday runs counter to the left's narrative of grievance, oppression, and outrage. Despite the revisionist attacks, the pilgrims are certainly still worth celebrating. But what's at stake is far bigger than the story of the first Thanksgiving. Our national holiday derives in large part from President Abraham Lincoln's call for Thanksgiving in the heart of the Civil War. At a time when Americans were killing each other and seemingly had little to be thankful for. In fact, the genesis and evolution of the Thanksgiving holiday is a long and complicated one. The national holiday became official right before America's entrance into World War II under President Roosevelt. But this only formalized a much longer, practically universal American tradition. Sarah Josepha Hale, publisher of a wildly popular patriotic women's magazine, waged a decades-long campaign to make Thanksgiving a national holiday in the spirit of George Washington's one-off National Day of Thanksgiving proclamation in 1789. Hale appealed to the public and many presidents, arguing that America needed a cultural patriotic holiday alongside the 4th of July, based around the family and giving thanks for the country's growing prosperity. Her efforts culminated in Lincoln adopting her idea in 1863 during the Civil War. He issued a proclamation calling to set aside the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise. Lincoln also called for the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and restore the Union. Since that proclamation in the dark days of the Civil War, Thanksgiving has become entrenched as a national holiday. So America's Thanksgiving holiday is really one of evolution, born of a desire to have a uniting national day to show gratitude for the blessings of being an American, even when it's most difficult to see. Sarah Josepha Hale was a New Englander 
So naturally, she connected the holiday to the pilgrims, who were already celebrated in the region of Forefathers' Day. The New England story became the American story. The pilgrims' first Thanksgiving, which took place in 1621, has occasionally been disputed. There were other Thanksgivings in America before this one, including at Berkeley Plantation in Virginia in 1619. But it was the pilgrims who came to dominate the national imagination. Almost all are familiar with the Pilgrim Thanksgiving story, which is now used as an entry point of attack for left-wing activists who wish to jam the holiday's meaning into familiar tales of oppressor versus oppressed. In this narrative, the first Thanksgiving, which included pilgrims and several dozen Wampanoag warriors, was not a mutual festivity, but a harbinger of future exploitation by genocidal European invaders. Mary Graybar is the author of Debunking Howard Zinn. She wrote in The Federalist, The works of Marxist historian Howard Zinn are being peddled in high school classrooms all around the country. Zinn's book, A People's History of the United States, carefully and deceptively deconstructs the 1621 Thanksgiving to reinforce his general narrative of exploitation. Zinn says the pilgrims are portrayed as irredeemably bad and the Indians as nearly blameless angels, an almost patronizing distortion of reality. Graybar wrote of Zinn-inspired literature, now used in Portland, Oregon public schools, quote, It makes a cartoonish presentation of myriad people groups from the Bahamas and South America to New Mexico and New England. They are falsely oversimplified as universally peace-loving, Mother Earth respecting, generous and welcoming. All Indian tribes are lumped together as a mass of childlike people oppressed by the greedy capitalist explorers and settlers, end quote. So if this is what American school children are getting in classrooms across the country, is it any wonder why our college campuses are now poisoned by identity politics and young people that have such left-wing views? As different as the pilgrims were from our modern attitudes, we can see the outline of future republicanism in their outlook. The Mayflower Compact was a simple document of consent among both the pilgrims and non-pilgrim merchants and other sailors who traveled with them across the Atlantic. The Mayflower Compact was unremarkable in that such community organizations was common in England, but it was remarkable in the sense that this new society would place at its foundation the notion of consent, government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Liberty was taking root in the new world, even as a more genuine notion of, for instance, religious liberty, which would have to wait many generations to come to fruition. And though the pilgrims have been sent through the meat grinder of identity politics and thinly disguised Marxist interpretations of history, they are still worth celebrating. Yet a holiday that a nation celebrated almost universally even though they were torn apart by civil war, is now being threatened in an age which Americans have seemingly little in common with one another. Today, America is wealthy and powerful beyond the imagination of those who founded the republic two centuries ago. It still has enormous capacity for growth, but worrying fractures in culture exist below the surface, as does the belief by some that the American dream is fading. 
a relic of mid-20th century greatness that can't be recaptured. In this globalized world that looks less like a brotherhood of man and more like a bubbling cauldron of fractious tribes, our nation-binding traditions may be our only saving grace. We should continue to celebrate the feelings of charity and thanks important for our own lives. And more importantly, today we should continue to embrace Thanksgiving for its essential message of giving thanks for our blessings as a day of reflection and embrace of a country that has spread and will continue to spread its blessings to others as long as we work to preserve its best and most essential qualities. Americans are faced with this challenge. Will we remain united in thanksgiving or divided in grievance? If we wish to have a prosperous America in which many are bound into one people, thanksgiving can't be surrendered to those who are working tirelessly to place wedges between us. And thank you so much for listening to Heritage Explains. We hope you have the best Thanksgiving. In fact, I actually, Michelle, believe that this could be the greatest Thanksgiving of all of our collective lives. We're going to try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook a turkey for the first time in my house. Come on. I mean, my kids never, they were too young to eat turkey, and there was no point to do it for just the two of us. I have a small family, but we're going to give it a shot this year. And you're all going to pass out around the same time, which will be great. Great family fun. Awesome, awesome. Hey, everyone, if you liked our read today, be sure to check out the show notes where there's the link to Jarrett Stepman's op-ed. Super important op-ed. Share it with your friends this Thanksgiving. Let's keep Thanksgiving. And before we go, Heritage Explains Thanksgiving tradition. I need Tim to make his turkey gobble noise. Okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this once, but we gotta do, we gotta set the stage. Okay, pretend I'm a turkey and I'm gliding through the forest blissfully, and I'm gliding along. I'm gliding along, and then I look and I see Michelle who has a hunting vest on and a shotgun, and I go, oh, oh, oh. that's it from us at Heritage Explains. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.